Drake May is not the only Tar Heel to lead the nation in a statistical category, and the answer may surprise you. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, November 7th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget we're free and available literally anywhere you get podcasts. So subscribe right now to make sure that you don't miss a second of your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, friends, Carolina is coming off of yet another victory in football. We're going to unpack all of that today. If you're looking for basketball content, because today is the first Carolina basketball game of the season, I've got about a 10 to 15 minute preview of the game and overview of the season in our bonus episode today. And we'll have a recap of that tomorrow as well. So make sure you check that out. But as for today, we're going to do what we do for our full show for every football game recap. I'm going to give you some overview stuff of the game. We're going to look at three plays that I thought impacted the game in major ways, and then three players, and of course, my shady stat of the game. So the overall view, got several things to talk about and share together here. First off, let's look at this. Carolina is 5-0 in the ACC, has won five straight games, and at this point, regardless of what any other team does, all Carolina has to do is win one more regular season game, and they have clinched a berth in the ACC championship game. Crazy stuff there. But at this point, you're looking beyond the ACC championship game, not overlooking it, not looking past any of these three games, but you've got bigger fish to fry. you got bigger things at stake now. Again, obviously, you want to take it one win at a time, one week at a time, Wake Forest and Georgia Tech and NC State. But why settle for just one win? Go out, win all three of those one week at a time, put your put yourself in a position to show out in the ACC championship game. I mean, Clemson is clearly vulnerable. We saw that on Saturday against Notre Dame. And then you win that, you're in a position for a New Year's Six Bowl. Pro probably not the CFP because that's just what the ACC is or is not. Um, but uh, you went out, you got good things ahead. So ACC championship game, love it. Look beyond that and dream big. Now, here's the other thing. Not only has this team won five in a row, but they are road warriors, number two. And I, I don't think that's anything anyone expected coming into this year because it's a complete 180 about face from 2021 where Carolina was literally 0-5 away from Keenan. This year, 5-0. and They've won all five games on the road this season. All true road games, by the way. It's not even neutral site stuff. They haven't started off 5-0 and away from home since 1997 and obviously have a chance to eclipse that with a trip to Wake Forest coming up this weekend. 
third part of our big picture look at for today. New polls are out. Carolina moves up to 15th in the AP poll and 14th in the coaches poll. And so you win, you keep climbing because people are going to be losing. Obviously, the one that matters is the college football playoff poll, and that will come out on Tuesday night. So stay tuned for that. Fourth thing to look at, big picture. Carolina has now trailed in three straight games at halftime. I, I don't know what it is with this team. Well, I, I do. They're they're getting off to starts, you know, slow starts, and then find like it, it means the coaches are doing well at halftime, making adjustments, seeing the game, and doing things they need to do because Carolina has won all three of those games at Duke versus Pitt, and then this weekend at Virginia. So two of those games are on the road where you're down at half and come back to win. And I know I'm going to sound like a broken record here because I've been saying this over and over again, but it's great to have those comebacks, but it's ultimately not sustainable. Now, I know they're literally proving me wrong right now by sustaining it, but you hear the larger point. Over the course of an entire season, it's not sustainable. Carolina needs to find a way to get out to a lead, build on it, and then continue to build on it. Step on a team and keep them down. Now, that said, I love the resilience of this team to not get down on themselves when they're down at the half. They recognize, hey, we got 30 more minutes of football action here, and uh, we believe in ourselves. We believe in the offense. We believe the defense is going to get enough stops, things like that. So you, you love to see it, but ultimately, you can't quit. You can't keep getting behind in the first half. A couple more things. Uh, man, I've said this on Twitter, but my favorite stat to follow this season for the Tar Heels has been their red zone efficiency. You ready for this? 41 red zone trips on the season in nine games. They've scored in 37 of those 41 trips. That's good for 90.2%. Of Out of those 41 trips, also 32 of those 37 scores have been touchdowns. So 78% of the red zone trips have finished with a touchdown and five field goals. Now, only four four red zone trips, as you hear me say, 37 scores in 41 trips. So four trips in which they haven't scored. Here's what's pretty funny to me. This is why this is my favorite stat. One of those non-scoring opportunities was Carolina went for it on a like fourth and four against Miami and Drake May and Josh Downs just weren't on the same page. But the other three, literally all of them are end of the end of game, like kneel down situations where you're in victory formation. Um, end of the Florida A&M game to start the season, um, victory formation against Pitt last week and then victory formation against Virginia this week. So clearly what Carolina needs to do is just find a way to get into victory formation at the 21 or something like that. And then the red zone numbers keep going up, but still these numbers are crazy. And when you kind of factor in what they could be, if it wasn't for those end of game situations, absolutely insane. Two more things. One is a quibble and one is just looking at more of the ridiculousness of Drake May. So I rarely quibble with play calling decisions or coaching decisions because like it's literally their job and they know like even when it seems like the wrong decision, there's a long view or something like that. But there was an instance in the Virginia game that that I do want to quibble with some. It's um, for those who are watching the game, Josh Downs had a great punt return against Virginia and puts Carolina in great position to keep extending their lead. I believe it was 31-21 at that point. 
But in that series, immediately following Josh Downs' punt return, there was an incomplete to J.J. Jones on first down. And then Coach Longo goes, run on second, run on third, and you've got a fourth and three, and Carolina goes fourth and three uh, on the plus side of the field. They're in good position there. But it's run, 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 all to Elijah Green, and they fail to pick up the first down. Now, it's not that I'm against Elijah Green. He had a great game. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But what it is, is that I'm pro, I'm not anti-Elijah Green, I'm pro Drake May. And that's that's where my quibble is, is you would love to see your Heisman candidate get the get the opportunity to make a play on at least one of those three instead of run, 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 um, wh- whatever down it is. Obviously, he threw on first down, but second, third, fourth, all runs. Um Give him the ball and the opportunity on at least one of those plays. Josh Downs is out there making 15 catches on the day. I don't know. Maybe they could hook up again. Um, As I said, Carolina was up 10 at that point. There's about four or five minutes left. And so just one first down helps you. Virginia's out of timeouts. One first down helps you take a lot more time off the clock there. Um, And so I don't know. That just... I would love to see Coach Longo go to Drake May at least one more time in that in that series to give, again, his Heisman candidate quarterback the opportunity to help pick up another first down, keep running clock, and maintain that two-possession lead. They didn't and had to punt. Virginia came and scored, and there were some tense moments down the stretch. So there you go. Speaking of Drake May, finally, the national conversation around this young man is picking up all sorts of steam. In fact, on game day on Saturday on ESPN, David Pollock said that he thinks right now Drake May is the number one pick in the 2024 draft. And so you love to see him getting some of this recognition that he deserves, not just for his numbers, but, but for who he is as a football player, because obviously um, just numbers themselves don't make you a, a high NFL draft pick. So people are seeing what he's doing statistically and seeing his fundamentals, the way he manages the game and all that, and are up on it. So how about that? Going from a quarterback battle in fall camp to like national college football voices saying, hey, this might be the number one pick in the 24 draft. That's just how good this young man is. Now, you know that Drake May was vying for a sixth straight 300-yard passing game, fell seven yards shy, just seven yards. In fact, he's of, of Carolina's nine games, he's been 300 or more in six of them and fallen short in just three. But in those three games where he's fallen short, he's thrown for 294, 284, and 293. So, you tally all that, he's 29 yards short of nine 300-yard passing games. And I know that's a little bit of some loosey-goosey math, but you hear my larger point there. Crazy stuff that Drake May's doing. Oh, by the way, three more total touchdowns, two through the air, and one on a ridiculous run where uh, just this crazy scramble, he reverses field and makes it in to the end zone. We've talked a lot about all these statistical categories in which Drake May leads the nation. You ready for this? Let me give you where it's at as of uh, heading into this next weekend. Drake May leads the nation by himself. None of these are ties. Passing touchdowns with 31. Total yards from scrimmage, 3,477. Total yards per game, 386.3 total yards per play, 8.2. He's second in the nation in passer efficiency rating at 181.8 behind just Bo Nix. And then second also in total TDs responsible for with 35. Bo Nix passed him in that this 
weekend. And so um, he was number one there. And so they're just right there together. He's also fourth in the nation in completion percentage, 71.2%, passing yards, 2,964. Um and so all, all these, and this is not an exhaustive list. Obviously, he's high up in other things. But I just want you to keep seeing what Drake May is doing nationally. It's not just that he's a great Tar Heel. It's all over the nation. Oh, and by the way, I mentioned off the top, there's another Tar Heel leading the nation in something. And I said, you probably won't guess who it is. That's because it's not Josh Downs. It's not Cedric Gray. It's Antoine Green who's having a phenomenal year, didn't have quite as explosive a game on Saturday, but he leads all of FBS in receiving yards per reception at 23. No one else has hit 23. He's the only one that has that high an average. And so Antoine Green, keep it up, brother. Love to see what he's doing. Well, you know, I always want to talk about, man, what are some plays that really impacted this game in a major way? And we're going to get to that in just a moment after I tell all of us more about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post, so why not give it a try? Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. You want to finish the year strong and the right new hire can help you do just that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so let's look at what I thought were three plays that really impacted this game. And they're all going to be second half plays. So let's start just coming right out of halftime. Carolina gets the ball to start the second half. Virginia had scored with just over two minutes left in the first half to go up 14-10. And you think at this point, all right, Carolina has a two-minute drill, all three timeouts, and they get the ball after halftime, score two, boom, 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 you're up 24-14, you love to see it. But they don't end up picking up a first down and have to punt. Thankfully, Virginia doesn't score. And so the game goes to halftime still tied or still with Virginia ahead by four, 14 to 10. And you're thinking, man, the Tar Heels have to come out of the locker room and score to get some momentum going back here. And that's exactly what happens. But it took a great play from Drake May to do so. First down, Elijah Green rushes zero yards. Second May Second down, Drake May keeper for five yards. So it brings up a third and five, this first drive of the second half. Remember, Carolina had just uh, at the end of the first half not been able to do anything. And you're thinking, man, if they can't pick up these five yards, so many wasted opportunities to end the first and begin the second half. But here's what happens. Um, I, I like this play both because of that game situation and because it shows so much of what Drake May is able to do. So he, he gets a snap. There's some pressure from the left side. So he slides left, steps up in the pocket, beyond the pocket to avoid it. Um, and as he's moving left, 
he sees J.J. Jones cutting back across the field to his right and so has to kind of contort his body to make the throw going not across his body, but like at an obtuse angle, like the opposite of that, um, and hits J.J. Jones in stride 14 yards. Five plays later, Elijah Green finds Paydirt in the end zone, and Carolina now leads 17-14. to 14. It was a beautiful play, huge in the moment for what the game situation was and the game pressure, but also just because it shows these intangibles that Drake may have. So might be an underseen third and five play at, at the midpoint of the game, but I thought it was huge both for the game and for Drake May. Now, the, the second play I want to point out was on the other side of the ball with Storm Duck. Um, this was a pass, uh, a pass breakup later in the third quarter. At this point, the teams have traded three straight touchdowns to start the second half. So Carolina scored like I talked about. Um, then Virginia scores and then Carolina scores again. So Carolina is up three. And it's feeling like, man, if either of these teams could just get a stop, that team would be in great position to then go score, um, extend the lead, and and have all the momentum. So Virginia has the ball. They pick up a first down to start the drive, but then they have incompletions on first and second to bring up a third and 10, and that brings us to the play I want to look at. Um, this is definitely not a get you think third and 10. It's like, oh, we'll easily get off the field. Listen, Carolina gave up no fewer than three plays of third and eight in this game, including like a third and 15. And so you're like, man, Got to do it. Got to do it. And so um, right off the line, Storm Duck jams up his uh, his receiver, Wilson, so much that when Virginia's quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, uh, goes to throw to his intended target, Billy Kemp, Kemp has like broken off his route as he intends to. But Storm Duck has his guy jammed up instead of being downfield. And basically, Armstrong leads Kemp right into Storm Duck. He's able to he's in man um, coverage, but is able to come off his guy, just reach a mid out and knock the ball away, forcing a punt. Carolina goes down and scores on the next possession and builds this 10 point lead that we talked about earlier. And so, um, this is huge because it really helps Carolina build that two possession lead that they ultimately hold on to, to win the game. And then the third and final play I want to point out is the onside kick in the final couple minutes of a game of the game. And, and the reason I want to point this out is because it's a lesson learned from the App State game. You might recall in the App State game, Bryson Nesbitt fielded an onside kick, ran it back for a touchdown, um, and you know, extended ex extends Carolina's lead. But then App State gets the ball back, quickly goes and scores, and Carolina's in a lot of jeopardy at that point. However, if Bryson Nesbitt had simply gone down. Carolina could have kneeled out the clock and won the game without App State ever getting the ball back. <laughs> Fast forward to Saturday in the Virginia game, same scenario. Um, Antoine Green feels the ball and has a chance to do exactly what Bryson Nesbitt did. The, the floodgates kind of, or the waters part, and Antoine Green could basically run it all the way to the end zone. But he has learned slides um, and so Carolina now has the ball, not giving it back to Virginia. There's 319 left at this point. Virginia has zero times timeouts. Um, and so 
Whereas, again, the App State game, Carolina could have run out the clock um, just by a couple kneel downs. Here, Carolina can't quite do that yet. But essentially, you pick up one first down and you can kneel down and run out the clock as they ultimately did. Now, in his press conference, Coach Brown said since it's more than two minutes, he would like to see Antoine Green go ahead and score there and make it a two-possession game. And I hear that and I get it. But here's where I'm at on it and why I think it's the right play. Virginia, again, has zero timeouts. Carolina literally just needs one first down uh, from Drake May to be able to take a knee and, and end the game. And so the question for me becomes, what do you trust more? The defense to stop Virginia from a quick strike touchdown, which they haven't done much of at all, but they had just like the possession before had a huge play to get uh, right on the doorstep of the end zone. So what do you trust more? One first down from Drake May or the defense stopping Virginia? Give the ball to Drake May. That's that's where I'm at because why? If you get that first down, literally the opposition never touches the ball again. Ball game, you take a knee and you go back to Chapel Hill. And so for me, just like I said earlier, put the ball in the hands of your Heisman candidate. Let him do what he's here to do. But anyway, all that to say, great job, in my opinion, from Antoine Green to go down and not score and give Virginia the ball back. Because in some ways, that might be exactly what would benefit them. So that's the three plays. Now I want to look at the three players, the guys that I thought were the most important in this game, plus the shady stat of the game. We're going to bring all that to you right after I tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for football betting and the start of the new basketball season today. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in depth analysis on every game. I can't wait to see where Carolina's at now in the in the odds, uh, both for the ACC and national championship things as they keep winning. And Drake May is Bet Online's sixth leading Heisman candidate odds, and so man, that's great. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so let us look finally at these three players who I thought just were, were the dudes in this game. Number one, let's go back to the defense and Cedric Gray. Um, he is the head of the snake. Um, he, for the multiple... <laughs> multiple times this season he has set a career high in tackles he did it again with 16 tackles in this game he has 99 on the season fourth in the nation fourth in all of fbs three guys ahead of him are the only three in the nation with 100 plus tackles and he's just one shy of being in that group you love to see it cedric gray in this game in addition to his 16 tackle well two of those 16 tackles were tfls tackles for loss had a sack two pass breakups, and and perhaps even more importantly is multiple times now this season, Cedric Gray has gotten banged up, and it's like, ah, man, is he going to have to come out? And, and he has here and there, but he this guy is the heart and soul of the defense and keeps finding his way back out there to lead the troops, and so you love to see what Cedric Gray is doing, not just for his statistical awesomeness that I just talked touched on but also the way he just leads by example and that is what this defense needs to continue growing through the final three weeks of the regular season second 
Josh Downs. He's hands down the player of this game. I mean, we can't hand it out to Drake May every week, but Josh Downs just keeps impressing in big ways. Same as Cedric Gray sets some career highs, career high in receptions, 15. Uh, if my uh, research is correct, one off the Carolina single game record. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, he had a season high in receiving yards, 166. That's his 166 receiving yards. That's his third highest in his Carolina career. It is the first time in his college career recording three straight games of 100 plus receiving yards. I wouldn't have guessed that, but I, I looked back at his whole game log, and that's absolutely right. It's the first time Josh Downs has had three straight games of 100 or more receiving yards. Not to mention, we already alluded to it, but he had this massive 38-yard punt return tying his career high. And again, Carolina didn't ultimately do anything with it, but man, what a momentum shifter that was and, and really could have been more so if Carolina had unfolded the offense a little bit differently there. The third player I want to highlight is, man, this guy, Elijah Green. Just what, what a year it's been from him coming from having all this playing time on special teams, working with the scout teams in practice, but just sticking with it of, of the, you know, coming into the season before British Brooks was hurt. This is a six man running back room and he's probably at the bottom of the list. If we're, if we're being honest about that. And here he is against Virginia as Carolina's starting running back. And here's the thing. He is making absolutely the most of the opportunities he is being given, not just with the start, but the last several weeks as well. Had 91 rushing yards. That's the most for a Carolina running back this season since Omarion Hampton's uh, 110 against Georgia State back in the third game of the season. In this game, he had both a rushing and a receiving touchdown. And let's just not assume those receiving touchdowns are coming easily because um, it, it is just kind of a known thing that he was not a great receiver coming in uh, to college and so has worked on that and, and had a great touchdown reception there from Drake May. And here's the other thing. It's like some some running backs, it's like just three three yards, a bunch of dust, and there we go. But, but this guy is getting some chunk yardage. Each of Carolina's first three drives had a rush at least one rush in each of those three drives of nine or more yards. And so you love to see him getting these chunk plays. And oh, by the way, in the last three games, Elijah Green has five touchdowns. That's right, five touchdowns in the last three games. And so, um, man, just really interested to see how he continues to progress. It's really, um, I believe Anthony Pagnotta said this to us last week, but um, very similar to what British Brooks did at the end of last year, just coming along, kind of coming out of nowhere and having some games. And so um, keep going, Elijah Green. We love to see it. And we're so happy for you. All right. And finally today, the shady stat of the game. Now, here's a caveat. I know Virginia's offense is not all that great this year. And I know they were missing their top three receivers for this game. But still. Last year against North Carolina, Brendan Armstrong, Virginia's quarterback, you ready for this? 72.2 completion percentage, 554 passing yards, and four passing touchdowns. You remember that? Yeah, it was a 59-39 win for Carolina, but still allowed all of that to Brendan Armstrong. This year, a little bit different. You ready? He was under 50% on completion, 17 for 35, so just barely under, but he was. Under 250 passing yards for the game at 232, 
It's a little bit shy of 554 and zero goose egg on passing touchdowns. None of them. All of Virginia's touchdowns were on the ground. And so in some ways, Carolina was like, hey, come beat us on the ground. But uh, no passing. And, and as we talked about Storm Duck, he had a lot to do with that in this game. Now, obviously, Virginia had some chunky yardage through the air, but none of um, no scores, nothing in the end zone. And so um, nice job not allowing Brennan Armstrong to do what he did last year. That is my shady stat of the game. Well, that's it for today's full episode of Locked on Tar Heels. As a reminder, got a kind of bonus basketball preview episode, so make sure you check that out either on YouTube or if you're listening. And of course, coming up on tomorrow's show, a recap of the first basketball game of the season. You can follow the show on Locked on Heel at Locked on Heels on Twitter. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Thanks for making uh, Locked on Tar Heels your first listen of the day. I want to encourage you for your next listen to check out Locked on Sports today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, or anywhere else you get podcasts. Please don't forget, subscribe to the show, hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube, and leave some comments on your thoughts on this game. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on a Monday to get your week started right. And I want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Enjoy the game tonight, and until tomorrow, peace.